Welcome to Gateway Geek, a podcast for those wondering what this geek thing is all about. I'm your moderator, Jess Aducci. This week, we jump right into part two of our cosplay extravaganza. This topic is so wide-reaching, we had to have two episodes to cover it. That and I committed a scheduling error that means double the content for you listeners, so you're lucky. Uh, today we have Keldar, who's an intense cosplayer, and when I say intense, I mean hundreds of costumes and characters, um, and just avid geek. Uh, you can find her amazing array of work at keldar.com, that's K-E-L-L-D-A-R.com. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Um, just a quick reminder, uh, both for our listeners and for you, actually, this is a podcast aimed at geek-interested noobs, so we kind of want to keep things uh, at a beginner level. Mm-hmm. So um, I already asked a couple of these questions on part one. Okay. But, uh, you know, everybody's going to have a different perspective. So what is cosplay? What does it involve? You know, there's costumes and props and hair and makeup, stuff like that. Like, is is that it? Or Personally, to me, I think anytime you get into a costume and you are having that escapism effect, you are cosplaying. Um, it could be at a convention. It could be for Halloween. It could be, heck, I want to go to the grocery store dressed as Princess Leia today. You know, <laughs> that counts to me as cosplay. It is what you make of it. Okay. Does it have to be geek oriented then? Like, you know, kind of geek characters and geek properties or can it be anything? I think it can be anything. You know, if you make up your own character, your own world and you dress up as it, I think that counts. I'm trying to think of any other like variations of, of cosplay because naturally I think if, if you're thinking outside the established characters, I think like Renaissance or like you said, it's like I, I tend to think like Dungeons and Dragons, right, yeah, fantasy yeah, yeah. worlds and everything. But can you think of other things? Because, you know, you, you just told me and everything that you um, that you help theaters, that yeah. you consult with theaters and their costuming and everything. Have you known other people to, to cosplay like outside of the norm as far as geeks are concerned? I know a lot of people who, you know, especially back in the earlier days of cosplay, people would go as their own characters all the time. Like mm. either that they made up based on Star Wars or their own fantasy world. Um, I don't see it quite as much now, but I, you know, especially at some of the bigger conventions, people will just make up their own character of, you know, what they want to be. You know, I want to be a green skinned Catwoman. It's not from anything, but they yeah. make it, they make it work, you know? Yeah. And like you said, historical costuming, you know, and they don't really like to have it be called cosplay. Um, mm. But okay. I think in the modern terms of cosplay, it, it's the same thing. Would that I actually just occurred to me, the uh, the kind of goth movement in the 90s, like so many people, uh, yeah. you know, I'm sure they wouldn't want to be called cosplayers, but, but they were no. essentially cosplaying, right? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, to me, it is escapism. That's what it is. And okay. I think that would fall under the umbrella. Well, that kind of, kind of answers the next question but um why why would anyone get into cosplay like going from no cosplay whatsoever and really no familiarity with it um you know why why do you cosplay for me personally uh, i love the experience of making a costume even more than i enjoy wearing it um it didn't start that way i started because i wanted to you know dress up as my favorite character and go to a convention mm. and you know meeting all these other people and meeting other fans was the goal and it was fantastic and then as i got more into it and started realizing how much i love making the costumes and learning new techniques and discovering that i can 
make all these crazy things, that has become the top part of it for me. Hmm. Do you think that's very similar for, for everybody or do you think it's it's that escapism that you were mentioning? I think it's the escapism because, you know, it's different for everybody. You know, some people it is being in the costume and turning into somebody different. Mm. And for me, it's exploring new techniques. Um, I went to art school, so it's become just an extension of drawing and painting and everything else for me. And when we when we had Pete uh, Mazzoli on the part one, um, he's very into props and mm -hmm. like maker builds type stuff. Yeah. Um, but from what I could tell from your site and everything, uh, when you're talking about techniques and all of that, it, a lot of it has to do with like cloth manufacturing yes. costumes yes. and everything. Um, can you kind of describe a little bit of your your process as far as that goes? Because that's I, most of the people I know, they'll buy a lot of cloth pieces because mm -hmm. they're not into sewing. Pete recently got into sewing along with some yeah. of the others in our group, but um, that's an entirely foreign world to me. Right. I mean, and it's different for every costume. And that's why every costume is a new adventure because I have to figure something else out, whether it's a new dyeing technique or mm. um, a new kind of uh, corsetry that I've never tried um, or even just different application techniques with making different kinds of trim and things like that. Hmm. Okay. And then, you know, there's the fantasy, you know, aspect. How do I make this gravity defying and building things into cloth that shouldn't be there and <laughs> things like that? Right, right. So when you when you first look at a piece that you want to cosplay, because again, I'm kind of thinking from a noob's perspective mm -hmm. that you see a character that you love and, and you, you either want to pay homage to that character by being that character or you mm -hmm. just really want to escape and be that character, whatever the, the background of it is. Um, and it's, it is something that's cloth-based, so you're not mm -hmm. having to go terribly heavy on the build. Right. What what can they do to kind of start that process? Like, let's just say they are going to go from the ground up. They're not going to go find stuff elsewhere. Right. Um, what what does that process look like? What, what would you recommend? If they've never built anything before, I recommend finding somebody else who has made the costume before <laughs> and looking at what they did. Okay. Um, okay. And then from there... Uh, Start looking at patterns. Um, you Even if there's not a pattern that's exact, you can usually find something close enough that can get you where you need to go. And then from there, it's picking fabrics. And that's why it's helpful to find somebody else who's made the costume. Because mm -hmm. even if you don't do exactly what they did, you can ask them questions. And they can at least give you a place to go start. Like, I used cotton for this part. You might want to go look at cotton. Mm. Something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, I noticed uh, on your site the the sheer amount of patterns. Like I, I've noticed from being on like fashionablygeek.com or something like that. You know, they'll they'll say, "Oh, McCall's has come out with something you know new for their cosplay line." Mm -hmm. And so I, I I was really excited, just going, "Oh, there's patterns out there for cosplay." Yeah, but then that's I'm look amazing I'm, now. <laughs> I'm looking at your patterns though, and it seems like they've always had things for cosplay. They just didn't label it for cosplay. Right, right. They've always had um, licensed costumes like i remember back in 2005 when revenge of the sith came out they had uh padme's nightgown but it wasn't called padme's nightgown it you know it didn't say star wars anywhere on it but that's not. what it was um <laughs> they did have a leia one that was licensed and um but just the fact that they are catering to the cosplay world so much more now is so fantastic mm -hmm. and makes life so much easier like uh, they just came out with uh, McCall's, I think, just came out with an Edith from Crimson Peak pattern. 
like, mm. and they announced it the week after I finished mine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, that would have made my life so much simpler if they'd released it a month before that. <laughs> It is it is amazing um, what what happens when you do or don't have a pattern or when you're trying yeah. to even modify a pattern mm -hmm. um, in trying to cosplay uh, Zoe from Firefly recently. Uh, she's got a very unique vest mm -hmm. and we my, my mom, my grandmother and I it turned into a family project, <laughs> a generation's family project where I mean, we, we literally had to come up with a pattern. That was the biggest part of it was just yeah. spending hours coming up with a pattern that fit yeah. me. And all of that, and then moving on from there and tackling some right. some difficult sewing issues. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't I can't imagine. But again, I, I want to mention again that I mean you have a tremendous library of patterns on your website and everything. I do, and I mean it's even missing some that I have not been able to find online. So oh, wow. like there's no evidence of them anywhere online. So I can't <laughs> add them to my library. <laughs> um, well, and that that's a good time to kind of bring up what. How long have you been doing this? Uh, I got started in 1998 when I wanted to make, actually, like we were just talking about, I wanted to make my own character from my comic that I self-published for oh, Halloween. Okay. Oh, I see. So um, I ran around for the week before Halloween trying to find all the pieces. I really wasn't happy with it, but <laughs> it was my first time really trying to put something together myself. Yeah. Um, and really, even before that, back in the late 80s, my parents and I would go to the local sci-fi convention, Mid-SouthCon. And one year, my mom and I both had matching Star Trek The Next Generation costumes. Oh, I'm so jealous. And <laughs> I don't have any pictures of it. She says she has them somewhere, and one day I will find them. But, um, you know, that's kind of the life I grew up in was a, a geeky household. So <laughs> okay. it's, it's, <laughs> it's never stopped since then now the the sewing skills and all of that i mean you mentioned you're an artist but the actual sewing like the the manufacturing and everything is that some something that you learned from you know your your home or, or... yeah my my grandmother was an amazing seamstress i mm. mean she still is um mm -hmm. she just doesn't do it as much but when i was little she would make costumes and dresses for me so when I first started wanting to learn to sew, I would go over to her house and she would sit next to me at the sewing machine and walk me through. And she's the one who taught me how to break up patterns, figure out how to change things, mm. all of that. She gave me my basics. Well, for, for our noobs who haven't uh, really had much experience sewing or, or don't have access to, mm. I mean, a lot of us do have family members. That's, again, a, you know, yeah. some friends of mine that have recently gotten into it. A lot of it has to do with their parents teaching them and everything yeah. else. But if their parents either aren't terribly skilled, as in just not a high level of skill, um, right. or aren't skilled at all, uh, what do you what do you recommend as far as learning those skills? Yeah, uh, a lot of places have beginning sewing classes that will teach the basics. And mm -hmm. um, other than that, YouTube. Get on YouTube and look up tutorials because there's been a lot of times where I have needed to know how to do something specific and mm -hmm. I just hop on YouTube and type it in and there's like 15 tutorials. <laughs> it's fantastic. And they're, they're fairly explanatory yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like they're decent yeah. tutorials. They're, okay. they're very good. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, even just talking about, you know, how to get into sewing kind of covers this, but I, you know, as I've mentioned, I've recently cosplayed for the first time and it's intense. I mean, getting pieces <laughs> made, um, which I'm going to, I'm going to thank him again. Thank you, Pete. Um, because <laughs> it, for the Zoe cosplay, he actually made my gun holster, nice. um, which is, which is an intense one leather piece, like one big leather piece. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, making it myself with the vest, uh, and all of that. And then actually wearing them, like taking 
the time to put everything on. Yeah. And then walking the convention floor. Like, yeah, it was very overwhelming. Um, and then I can mention, too, you know, my husband cosplayed Wash from Firefly, uh, both just as the regular throw on the the flight suit and the Hawaiian shirt. But he also did skewered Wash. Oh. He did dead Wash. <laughs> yeah. So he had this this, you know, intense piece that it took about a day and a half to make uh, that, you know, was this giant skewer through him mm-hmm. and everything and him walking around the convention i was basically his handler for that so yeah. um it's just it's it's so intense all of the process so not just the manufacturing it is. But everything it so is. so what kind of what kind of tips and tricks and stuff would you have for for noobs as far as that's concerned just the entire cosplay experience first give yourself plenty of time plenty of time <laughs> to get into costume to get to where you're going anything build in extra time wherever you can Mm. and you know forgive yourself for mistakes if you get to the convention and you forgot a piece or it doesn't work right it's really not the end of the world you know there Mm. will always be another time you can wear it you know you know i've had when i was much younger i've had meltdowns in hotel rooms because (laughs) something wasn't working and and you know it, it took me years to realize it really doesn't matter. You know, you can walk out without a wig and just your normal hair. And, you know, somebody might say something, but as long as you're having fun, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that's that's been brought up on previous podcasts and, and the previous cosplay podcasts is just, you know, as long as you're having fun with it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the crowd generally, because we did a conventions episode uh, where, where the guests talked a lot about just the crowd and the crowd is very positive. Yeah, you know, they, they'll appreciate anything you do. So on, yeah. the, on the last, co- and I, I just want to see if you concur with this on the last uh, cosplay podcast, they talked about, I mean, even if you're, even if you're doing things out of like cardboard boxes and stuff like that, exactly. the people will be really enthusiastic. Do you, do yes. you agree with that? Yes, definitely. And you know, in my years of cosplaying, I've only had somebody in person say negative things a handful of times. Like, hmm. I could probably count it on one hand. The positive reaction is always the majority reaction. Mm. It is, you know, people just love seeing enthusiasm and, and sharing a love of a character or a series. And it's a lot of times I will be hesitant to get in the costume when I first get to a convention. I'm like, I don't want the attention. I don't want to deal with it. And then I get into costume. I'm like, this is so fantastic, you know. <laughs> so that that's interesting. I mean, as far as you know, not really wanting the attention and all that. Um, so, so as far as you cosplaying and and your reasons behind it, um, it, it does it does it really just make a difference putting on that costume? It really does. I mean. I'm still very much in a shy, introverted geek, the, the same person I was in high school. Yeah. But um, I really feel like cosplaying has made me a much more confident person mm. than I, I ever would have been otherwise. Yeah. I can I can see that. I mean, I've I've already kind of uh, mentioned this, but but cosplaying for the first time um, made kind of a a huge difference in you know stepping out and making Mm -hmm. making that first step of um it's okay to kind of settle into another person's skin for a little while yeah (laughs) it's not weird because that that's another thing like the people around you uh and i'm talking like family and friends Mm -hmm. and all of that um what what do they think about your cosplay like what what reactions have you gotten from other people who might not be as familiar with it i'm actually really lucky in that 
every single person I've ever known has thought it's really cool. Like, <laughs> my whole family are a bunch of nerds anyway, and I've dragged almost all of them into costume at one point or another. <laughs> um, all my friends, too. But I've also always pretty much worked at places where all my coworkers, when I came back from a convention, demanded pictures. You know, we need to see your new costume. Yeah. And one year for Halloween, I did not come to work in costume, and they all thought I was sick. They all came <laughs> and said, what's wrong? Why aren't you in costume? Are you sick? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, I just didn't feel like getting in costume. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah, going back to, to tips for our noobs and all that kind of stuff, um, if, if they're not very sure of themselves as far as the sewing and that you know that may be a really big first step for someone who's mm -hmm. just getting into it um what do you recommend for for really low level really easy uh cosplay honestly uh, if you can find somebody selling the costume you want to do just i mean buy it if you can afford it i mean there's no mm. shame at all in buying your costume especially if you have no access no skills for sewing Mm -hmm. just jump in there and buy something and get a taste of it and see if it's something you want to keep doing. And then maybe your next one, you can start by creating a few pieces and, you know, mm -hmm. where, where are a few places uh, that you would recommend as far as maybe picking up some um, foundational pieces? Uh, what I mean by that is um, like picking up a coat or something like that, that you can turn into something very easily. Oh, m yes. My early years were a lot of uh, piecemealing, just random stuff that we found. Um, you know, any kind of Goodwill, Salvation Army, places like that. I've always had really good luck there. And that's where the majority of my costume shoes have come from. Okay. I just go and find something that has the right shape and work on it from there. Do you, um, I, I feel like I couldn't, get into this quite as much with the guys the other night um as far as makeup and hair are concerned um i know I, guys can still deal with makeup and hair i get that but yeah <laughs> I, I feel like it's more common you know it is with, yeah. with women so i wish more guys would understand that they do need to focus on makeup and hair as well sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely my my I, my husband was obsessed with that wash kind of zombie cosplay. Uh -huh. he, he just wanted this intense zombie makeup. Right. That comes from being an art director too. Um, <laughs> so I'm lucky that way. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what would you say to, to women out there who are, who are not only having to tackle a costume, but tackling makeup and hair and, and all of that, that may not be, you know, spot on with the character they want to play. I mean, you need to do what's comfortable for you. A lot of times I will do a character and I will do what I consider basic makeup because either I'm uncomfortable trying to do something crazy or I'm going to be putting another costume on in two hours and I don't want to redo my makeup. Mm, okay. And, you know, if you're just really not comfortable with wearing a giant 15-pound wig all day, then, you know, <laughs> alter it so that it is a little more comfortable for you, you know. Mm. But and again, YouTube, get on YouTube, look at makeup and wig tutorials. There's a ton of them. And um, Arta Wigs has a ton of wig tutorials on their website that are fantastic. Okay. Getting a little bit more uh, personal as far as your cosplay and everything here. Um, what are some of your favorite uh, costumes and or props from your own collection? Um, my favorite costumes would be my uh, new Anne Boleyn that I made a couple of years ago based on her coronation dress from Anne of a Thousand Days. Um, I was very proud of how that turned out. <laughs> 
what aspect of it were you particularly proud of? What was, what was hard about it? Um, you know, it was, I had already made a two-door gown once. Um, and I had made a new corset that was miles ahead of my first one. But then I did all the um, uh, adornment along the uh, bodice top here. Mm -hmm. And it just turned out so good. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I, I, I would just, you know, put it on the dress for me and just step back and look at it and go, wow, I made that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great feeling, too. It is. It is. Um, and Princess Leia, just because it has been, um, I've been doing Princess Leia for 12 years now. Um, and so I, there's a lot of special memories tied to doing Leia. Mm. And uh, my Kingdom Come Wonder Woman, which was a dream costume that I never thought I would get to do. And the guy I started dating right around the time I was thinking about doing it said, oh, I can help you do that. And so he did. And then he proposed and now we're married. <laughs> oh, no way. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. How did, uh, well, number one, why did you think you'd never get to do it? And number two, uh, how did he help you out? Um, mostly it was the helmet. She has this big helmet that's shaped like an eagle head. Mm. And I just, at that point in my life, I had no idea how I would tackle that. Um, and when I showed him the picture, he said, oh, we can sculpt that and cast it. It's no problem. Oh, of course. So, yeah. What does he well, do? How did, Why does he know how to how to cast and, and mold we something? We actually met at Dragon Con. So he was already costuming. Oh. Uh, we were both 501st members. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, can you explain real quick what the 501st is? Yeah, it's a Star Wars costuming group uh, that focuses on uh, charity, raising money for um, um, like Make-A-Wish and things like that. Um, he was part of the Nashville group. I was part of the Memphis group. So we lived only three hours away. <laughs> we met at Dragon Con. And uh, then I mentioned to him that I wanted to make this. He mentioned to me he wanted to make Darth Vader. Uh, so hmm. we kind of traded skills and I made his Darth <laughs> Vader bodysuit. Oh, nice. He started helping me sculpt my Kingdom Come Wonder Woman. And, uh, and it went from there. I don't think he knew what he was getting into when he... <laughs> <laughs> Because now we have a room in our house that is nothing but my costumes, and it is, I, it's a mess. <laughs> I feel like that's a common, a common thing. Again, just kind of based on the friends I have that do cosplay, um, I, I still remember one of them sent a picture to a, a kind of a group hangout and said, um, "The closet we have for our cosplay is about twice as big as our normal <laughs> closet." Like, yes. And it, you know, because it's for the two of them, him and his wife. Yeah. And it was just massive amounts of, of costume. So is this addictive? Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you get into costuming, you'll never have money for drugs. You know? <laughs> it, it's a safe hobby. <laughs> oh, man. Um, have you – so, I, again, I know you concentrate on kind of um, cloth pieces and mm -hmm. uh, sewing aspect and all of that. Um, do you Do you – get into uh, a lot of maker builds at all like do you have to do a lot of props or any of that every once in a while um it just depends on the costume i tend to be drawn more towards clothy costumes because i can look at it and break it down in my head you know okay. within a few seconds and say i can do that that and that let's do it okay every once in a while there's a costume that comes up that says that i want to do but i don't really know how to do it and that's when i do get into some more builder stuff and mm. my husband is great with helping me with that and um, Warbler that, you know, the uh, thermo material that they've recently come out with in the past few years. Mm -hmm. 
is a godsend. There was nothing like that when I first started out. It was all paper mache, <laughs> um, paper mache armor and all that kind of stuff. And now Warbler is so great for making armor, crowns, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it has really just changed the game of cosplay altogether. Now, <laughs> you, you make an interesting point. How... How have things changed? Because you've actually, I mean, you've been cosplaying for a while. So how how has the cosplay world changed as you've been a part of it? It has exploded. I mean, back when I started, you pretty much knew everybody in the hobby. I mean, everybody was based on this one mailing list, the cosp mailing list. And then <laughs> everybody kind of went over to cosplay.com forums, uh -huh. which are still around. I mean, you could go to a convention and, you know, there'd be a few people there who didn't have an online presence. Mm -hmm. but you knew half the people at the convention. You'd seen their cosplay pages on cosplay.com. <laughs> You'd seen them on the mailing list. And now I stumble across Facebook pages of a cosplayer that has 100,000 fans and I've never heard of them. There's millions of cosplayers now. There's no way to keep up with them anymore. Hmm. And I do kind of miss that community element that there hmm. used to be. But it's also just everything is so much easier now. Like, when I started, if you found a green wig and you needed a green wig, even if it wasn't the exact right green, that was the wig you bought because there was no <laughs> other options. And you know, now you can find 40 different shades of green. Mm. There are wig dyes. You know, it, everything is so much easier now. Hmm. Okay. For, for some reason, all of that reminded me when, when you said, you know, it was a smaller community at the beginning and everything. That sort of brings to mind, I, I feel like I see a lot of guys cosplaying that may mm -hmm. may not have cosplayed you know a decade ago or whatever right when you got into it what was it fairly equal in you know women and men or not so much i i would say it's fairly equal but i always felt like the guys were a lot more casual about it than the girls if that makes sense casual how? um i mean there were still guys that went all out but um you know you'd see guys dressed like shinji from evangelion everywhere you know just the white button-up shirt and the black pants i'm uh, shinji hello and you know now i think that now that it's become so much more mainstream and there is that little bit more of um a builder prop mm -hmm. maker i don't know the word i'm looking for um but that it's a little more um easier for them to get into than just sewing you know I uh, see. You know, it's a little girlier. A little girly. Something ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody should learn to sew. <laughs> Man, Agreed. Or, yeah. Agreed. No, I and I still think it's hilarious that that the group of friends uh, I have, two of them, two or three, two two or three of them have recently learned to sew. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's there's a couple of us girls in the group, so about half and half. Yeah. Um, but the three that learned how to sew were were guys. They, yeah. were, they just they they were tired of not being able to do what they wanted to right. do and so you just right. learn so you know get and over it. <laughs> it's really sad that it's not taught in high school everywhere anymore you know right i didn't have it when i was in high school i had to go seek it out and it's really a basic life skill you know <laughs> even just being able to sew a button back on yeah yeah and uh, taylor I, I i can't imagine um how how much more people would be satisfied with clothing and satisfied yes. with with their entire wardrobe uh, yes. satisfied with stuff that they could buy much cheaper if they knew how to tailor exactly. <laughs> like if they could tailor their own clothing exactly. <laughs> and i can't tell you how many times i go into a store and look at something and look at the price tag and say no i can go home and make that for twenty dollars <laughs> 
<laughs> and of course, uh, I never do. That's the problem. You know, <laughs> you know I've, I've asked for a couple of tips and tricks and everything. Um, I'm going to go back to sewing for a second. Okay. Are there any major pitfalls for people to watch out for? Whether it's it has to do with the type of clothing or cloth that they choose or um, any kind of particularly troublesome uh, parts of a pattern or a red. I, I'm kind of asking blindly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are some really tricky fabrics that you really shouldn't jump onto for your first project. Mm -hmm. Stuff like chiffon, it's really slippery. It's going to fray if you don't finish it right. Velvet's really slippery. Obviously, you really don't want to get like $50 a yard fabric for your first project if you can help it. <laughs> that's really good advice, believe it or not. <laughs> I feel like that's really good advice for a lot of noobs out there, including myself. And always, 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 always make a mock-up. You know, get it mm. fitted, figure it out before you cut into your actual fabric, especially if it's something expensive or it was hard to find. Uh, how do you How do you make one of those mock-ups i mean what do you what do you make it out of and again as a total sewing noob right i usually make it out of leftover fabric you know just some leftover cotton okay. um i've always got scraps of stuff laying around so um it's nice if it, it's a fabric that's a similar weight to what you will be using uh like if you're making a spandex costume obviously you want to make a mock-up out of spandex also so it stretches the same but i just throw it together real quick i don't finish the ends i just make sure it's together i can get it on see where the fit issues are, fix mm -hmm. it on that. And then I take that apart and use that as my pattern for cutting my actual fabric. Now, how do you tackle being comfortable in something? You know, uh, I... uh, that's, that's a question that I always ask myself. Um, <laughs> I always say I'm going to make this costume as comfortable as possible. And I, it never really seems to um, materialize. Mm. Um, I did at Dragon Con, uh, the shoes I wore with my main costume left blisters on my feet. And mm. I had one more costume to wear later that night. And I said, screw it. And I wore my little green slip-on shoes that I'd worn in the car on the way to Dragon Con. <laughs> and I just did not care. Mm. I was not going to deal with those blisters anymore. And I wanted to be comfortable. Right. Um, so sometimes, you know, you just have to do what's right for you. And be comfortable. You know, if you're not comfortable wearing five-inch stiletto heels, then do not wear the five-inch stiletto <laughs> heels. Especially your first time cosplaying. Exactly. Especially <laughs> if you don't wear heels on a regular basis. Right. Well, and, and I, I kind of asked this on the previous one to get a guy's perspective, but, you know, there's a, a kind of constant conversation in the cosplay community and just the, well, the geek community, to be honest, mm -hmm. about especially women and cosplaying and um, things can get a little racy. Of course, dudes get very racy these days, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. But, um, you know, about about women and how they dress. And there are people taking photographs at, at right. cons and things like that. So um, what what is your perspective on the conversation of uh, women and how they dress? And what are they inviting or not inviting and, and all of that? I really think that the whole thing just needs to be about respect. And um we need to respect the fact that, that some women want to wear something skimpy and that's their right to do so. And if they feel awesome and sexy in it, then, you know, that's, that's their power. You know, they <laughs> need to do that, you know? Right. Um, I've worn some racy stuff myself and everybody at a convention needs to respect that that is a human being in that costume and they're mm -hmm. not just there to have their butt photographed and you know yeah. even if they enjoy getting their butt photographed you know <laughs> that's not all they are <laughs> right exactly and 
you know, I, I've, like I said, I've very rarely had negative experiences at conventions. Um, I really feel like the geek community in person are generally very respectful and loving and open armed to everyone. Mm. And it's only online that the ugly head rears itself and you I get see. those really horrible comments and, you know, people saying horrible things to costumers, whether they're larger or they're wearing skim something skimpy or they're not white, you know, everybody will find mm -hmm. something to pick on. And, you know, it, it really needs to be about respect and respecting each other. And because we're all just geeks in costume at the end of the day. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, although you bring up an interesting point. I'm glad you said something about um, just body types uh, and everything. Yeah. So, um when it comes to women, I, I feel like there's so much more to deal with because there's such, mm -hmm. I think there's a, a, a bigger variety of body types. Um, yeah. I could be wrong about that as far as, I, I know there's a variety of men as well, but. Well, um, we have something extra up here to deal with that most guys <laughs> don't have to deal with. <laughs> there is that added dimension. Yes. Perfectly. Yes, absolutely. Um, and for some reason, you know, legs matter a lot when it comes yeah. to, you know, yeah. comic characters and such. Yeah. But anyway, I say this as a total short person with extremely short legs. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, you said you can kind of look at something and break it down and, and mm -hmm. all of that. Um, have, have you had to deal with or have you had to help someone else deal with breaking down a costume and, and really uh, digging into it for, for a different body type? Yeah, you know, um, I've helped a, a lot of friends. Uh, actually, earlier this year, I made two bell costumes for um, a theatrical production, and she was a very small girl. She was maybe five feet tall. She was very small. Wow. And so I had to kind of alter the costumes so that they wouldn't drown her, especially the Paul gown. It, yeah, I bet. Uh, if I had made it, you know, the typical giant hoop skirt, it would have, she would have been lost in it. Mm. So, um, I made it a smaller silhouette that would fit her and mm -hmm. brought a little bit more of the heft up top around the shoulders okay. to even her out. Mm -hmm. Um, and we also built in some bra cups so that she would feel a little more confident up here. Sure. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, you have to figure out what works for your body type when you make a costume. I have big hips, so when I cut things, I cut things to a certain point that don't accentuate my hips too much. I always bring things up a little higher than maybe they would normally be, mm -hmm. or a little lower sometimes, depending on the costume. And personally, I've yo-yoed in weight so much over my cosplay career that I've learned I, I pretty much make everything um, where it can come in or out very easily. Almost everything has a lace-up back. Everything okay. has um, an elastic waist, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't want to spend $500 making a costume and then a year later not be able to wear it. Yeah, no, that's a really great tip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you, um, are there any particularly great sources? I'm, I'm really partially asking this for myself, too, because I I am a different body type than what mm -hmm. I, I see a lot on TV or whatever. Um, right. So do, is there any great resources as far as learning more about your body type and what looks good on your body type. Wow, really, um, there are a lot of Facebook groups dedicated to uh, cosplayers of all sizes okay. that have a lot of great resources, you know, people giving each other tips on, you know, what worked for them, what didn't work for them, 
there's some great Facebook groups that are just for women, women costumers that are really great for support besides just tips, you know, mm-hmm. just getting it out there and saying, I'm having trouble with this today. I don't feel great about myself. Mm. And everybody just gets in there and builds you right back up and says, no, you're great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to get some links for that so I can provide okay. that for our audience. Um, and uh, well, great. Um, I think to, to kind of wrap up because I, I want to encourage people to, to get into this, mm-hmm. um, at least try it. You know, yeah. it, it may yeah. feel a little weird and you may feel a little weird yeah. <laughs> doing it and everything. Um, oh, oh, wait, before I get into my last question, I, I have uh-huh. another question. Um, something that's been brought up a lot that I always forget, obviously, is mm-hmm. it's not just about the costume. It's about the play. It's about right. the role play and everything. So do you have any kind of role playing tips or any kind of role playing um, experiences or anything like that to kind of help our noobs get into that a little bit? Honestly, a lot of it will come naturally when you put the costume on. I feel like once I get everything on and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I become a different person. Mm. And all of a sudden, all the things that I was worried about, you know, what if somebody asks me this? It just goes right out the window because it just comes naturally. My walk will change. The way I carry myself will change. But a lot of it is practice. You know, especially when we do things with the 501st Legion, um, you get a lot of weird questions from kids. And as Princess Leia, you have to come up with a quick answer on why is Princess Leia wearing a wedding ring? Uh, you know, Han gave me that. <laughs> and all in character. All yes, in character. all in character. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just practice. You just really have to just get into the costume, get feeling it and start having fun with it. Just go for it. Just go for it. That's all it is. <laughs> okay, now my last question. Um, okay. So uh, to encourage the noobs a little bit, um, can you give me a couple of, you know, great experiences that you've had uh, either interacting with people at cons uh, or just, you know, like you said, uh, times that you've been, you've just had a ton of fun with a particular costume or mm-hmm. something like that? Oh, gosh. Um, one of my most favorite memories is, was Dragon Con 2005. It was one of the few conventions where I got all of my real life friends to go with me. And we did a Disney skit together for the masquerade. Oh, wow. And we were going to... um we were just going to write this nice little introductory for each of our characters, uh, but we put it off and we wrote it the night before while we were all really drunk on <laughs> tequila. And, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and we went and turned it in without really thinking about it. And the next night they started reading out the introduction and it was so, so wrong and so terrible, um, but it was hilarious. And we got such a fantastic reaction from it. We had people coming up to us the rest of the night. We were up until 3 or 4 a.m. with people still coming up to us and telling us how much they loved it and how funny it was. <laughs> and, I mean, it's really, truly one of my best moments of costuming was just being there with all my friends and having that much fun and mm. getting that much love for something that we did for fun, you know. Right. And that actually at that same convention is when I first met my husband and I was wearing Slave Leia, and I was sitting in a chair, and he came up behind me and tugged my braid. <laughs> and he knew we were both in the same 501st garrison. Yeah. And he asked where a mutual friend of ours was. Oh, I see. And um, But when he turned around and smiled at me, I said, I'm going to marry that man. Uh. I didn't even know his name. <laughs> so but, so what, what 
uh, what does he cosplay? Uh, he used to do a lot of, um, he did Darth Vader for mm -hmm. a long time, uh, Clone Troopers. He was very much into uh, Star Wars. Okay. He's also done uh, Zaphod Beeble Brocks from Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide with Mia's Trillian. Nice. Um, oh, gosh. What else has he done? Um, he did Bo from She-Ra while I was Glimmer. He he hasn't really has been as much into it in the past few years as I have been. Um, but every once in a while, I can still talk him into getting into costume. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. done Green Arrow to go with my Black Canary. Oh, very cool. A lot of stuff that matches me, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's that's a great you know costuming convention experience, um, and you've already mentioned costumes that you're really proud of. But but mm -hmm. what has been your your best uh, maker experience? Like you know uh, actually putting putting together a costume and all of that. Oh, I would have to go back to that Amberlynn costume again. Yeah, just, yeah I mean it, it would just it was that moment of stepping back and looking at it. I had the same experience when I made my Marie Antoinette costume back in 2011. Um, just because I put so many rhinestones on it that when I got done and put it on my dress form, it just sparkles when it moves. And um, going back to great convention experiences, my fabric for that was actually the wrong color. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought I was getting a sky blue and it came a TARDIS blue. So I TARDIS decided, <laughs> I decided I'm going to go ahead and make a second version of this costume and add TARDIS stuff to it. So okay. I made the TARDIS underskirt and the window panels and an extra little hat that looked like the lantern. And um, it was just supposed to be this little offhanded fun thing that I was going to wear for like an hour at Dragon Con. You know, yeah. the actual Marie Antoinette was the actual costume. And I had so much fun wearing that that year <laughs> that I have never worn it as regular Marie Antoinette again. It is oh, always no. TARDIS Marie Antoinette. <laughs> I was stuck in it for probably five or six hours just because I could not get away from people wanting to take pictures. It was so much fun. I love it. Mashups are crazy popular. They They're, are. People really dig those. What What has yeah. been the, like the best mashup you've seen? Oh, gosh. Um, I saw a whole group of Disney Slave Leia's on Instagram today. <laughs> and I know that Slave Leia and Disney Princesses are both kind of overdone. But these were all done so well hmm. that they just looked great. Um, and, you know, I think that that's a big part of it is, you know, when you look really good, and it's obvious you're having fun, even yeah. if it's, you know, maybe not something that's outstanding. You know, maybe it, you are doing something completely popular and overdone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's still great you know awesome uh i, I think that's a, a great place to to wrap up and say okay. thank you so much for your time well, and for all the tips much. um hopefully uh i'll i'll gather a lot of those resources from you and everything yeah. and i'll have those available on the website so our noobs can jump right in and get yeah. started making their get costumes <laughs> yeah Thanks for listening to another podcast of Gateway Geek. You can find links to everything we mentioned, yes, everything, on our website, entergatewaygeek.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for geeking out.